Hello and welcome to the Berean Book Club podcast with your hosts Francois Poe and Conrad Rieder, the podcast where we discuss books written by saints both dead and alive to see what they can teach us and the church today and hopefully spur us on in our love for Christ. We're so glad you're joining us. Welcome to episode one of the Berean Book Club. Um, we're so excited. We're glad that you've joined us, if you've joined us. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's up today, Brew? No, I'm good. I'm good. Excited to, to get going. But uh, here we are now as we record our first episode. Yeah. Um, first of many, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we thought that we'd start each episode with... Uh, we're still deciding on a name for it. I think souvenir segment is too lame, but well, it's good enough it. for, for today. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So how it works is every episode we bring something along, uh, a kind of a souvenir that's got a story behind it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we will tell you the story behind it and then we'll, we'll chuck it up there on the shelf and they'll always be there to think about. Um, because it's episode one, we brought two souvenirs, one each, yeah, yeah. that are very similar. Um, I'll sp- talk about mine, and go for you it. can talk about yours. It's quite ironic that both of our uh, uh, kind of the marker for the start of our friendship is two mugs that we got at one at the start and basically one at one the at start the of college and one at the end of college. Yes. This is a mug we were given when when we graduated. Uh, it's got our whole class's uh, faces printed on it. Um, if you watch the trailer, you'd know that uh, uh, yeah, our friendship started at Bible College, um, talking about uh, stuff at tea times. We'd always have coffee. We'd always have like low GI toast with butter on. Um, and yeah, and then we graduated, and ironically, we got a mug. He left it at my house <laughs> for a year. <laughs> but let me just say, I think, in my defense, in my defense, uh, I had quite a crazy three years at college. We had uh, twins that were born in my first year, mm-hmm. and then in my last year, with COVID and everything happening, uh, our little daughter was born as well, and so. My last ah. year was a bit crazy, so I think I think you have to let me off the hook hey with, yeah, bro. with forgetting that one. But I'm glad you brought it today and can be so, yeah. um, back on my shelf. You mug, I return to you, bro. You can do the honors. Thanks. Well. I'll I'll put it on the shelf. <laughs> um, and then uh, my mug that I have, um, I wish I'll, I'll post a photo on on our Instagram. But you must see it is a, a picture of Conrad and his wife Amy's faces printed big um, that they got for their for their wedding anniversaries. And so this was the first mug that Conrad made me coffee in. And so yeah, I'll put this one on top here as well. And it's just a reminder for for where this all started. So there you know a bit more about both me and Conrad. Every every month we'll we'll say something about our lives and just who we are. Yeah. So, what's the first? Intro. Let's dive into A Little Book on the Christian Life by John Calvin. All right. Calvin on the Christian Life. You've got 60 seconds to summarize. Three, two, one, go. This little book on the Christian life by Calvin is actually part of his bigger work, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. 
but over the recent decades, it's actually been republished many times. And it it's really uh, serves as a witness to the way in which this book has helped so many Christians over the past few centuries. Because it shows Calvin's pastoral heart. It shows how he understands the goal of Christian living is to be conformed to the image of Christ. He shows how self-denial and bearing one's cross is at the center of how God accomplishes that. In chapter 4, he switches our focus then to the future eternal kingdom where we belong um, and helps us not to hold too much on this kingdom. And and then lastly, in chapter 5, he discusses how we are then to use the gifts that God has given us in this life. It's a great little book that helps us understand the pathway to maturity without sugarcoating it. Bang on 60 seconds. There we go. There you go. That's incredible. Calvin wrote a short book, and I think that's why uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was able to do it. But next month, <laughs> you're going to have a bit more difficult job as that's we look true. at a bit longer book of R.C. Sproul's life, which mm. I'm very excited for. All right, so how things are going to work, um, just so that you know, episode one, uh, we're not going to be doing a classic kind of book review. This is what the book is about and the argument and so on and so on. What we're going to be doing is uh, we, we both read the book separately in the month and we, we yeah, jot down some things which strike us. And we come here and we just chat about those things. So we don't kind of comprehensively cover all the content of the book. But um, yeah, just chat about a few things which, which knocked us at the knees. <laughs> which were many in this little book. Yeah. So maybe tell us about what's the what's the first one that that you maybe want to mention. So, do you have the quote with you? Yeah, I'll you maybe I'll read that. I'll read that yeah. first quote. I think in 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 chapter one, he says this: true doctrine is not a matter of the tongue, but of life. Neither is doctrine grasped only by the intellect and memory, as truth is grasped in other fields of study. Rather, doctrine is rightly received when it takes possession of the entire soul and finds a dwelling place and shelter in the most intimate affections of the heart. Jeez, man, what a, what a deep, deep quote. I don't know about you, but uh, I think something that just came to mind for, for me is the way in which I think I experienced both of these tendencies to either be, either be super intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at college we saw how at college we're spending so much time writing assignments, spending so much time in the Bible and other Christian books, yet it could often be a time that was spiritually quite dry despite being filled with so much Christian things. Um, And I think what Calvin is saying is here is like, yeah, doctrine is not just something that you know, but something that you you know deeply within your soul and, and is ultimately then lived out mm. um and so this was i don't know really challenging for me yeah. um, especially being in christian ministry as well we constantly busy with discipleship and and preaching and all those kind of things but uh, the importance of abiding in christ daily and walking with him the basic spiritual disciplines just was just a reminder of how key that is to to our christian life you know yeah. no sure i think um Something like this really makes me think, you know, over the past four four years since we've been at college, um, we've really come into contact with 
just hearing a lot of people speak. A lot of people speak and teach and write and you we you you hear so much, right? Um and you you start to realize after a while the the importance of someone not only sp speaking a certain way but the importance of them living in a way that's connected to what they're saying mm -hmm. so um uh, i mean we spoke about many things and i remember many like little snippets that you've said to me um i don't know where you got this from maybe it's your original really. <laughs> Nothing of mine original. <laughs> but you said to me once, um, uh, we we're talking about something, and you said to me, when someone goes and stands up in a pulpit, you don't just, when they speak, you don't hear what they say. You hear how they live as well. Do you remember saying that to mm, me? Mm, mm. Um, this, uh, uh, this part of Calvin rem reminded me of that almost instantly. Mm, when, mm. When, when, we, when we speak a certain way, when we say we believe a certain certain things it's it's closely connected to how we live and i know that's not what calvin's saying per se he's not saying like you know practice what you preach in that sense but i think what he's saying is connected to that he's saying that like doctrine isn't only a, a, a matter of like oh these are some some nice ideas mm, mm. but these are these are ideas these are doctrines which which deeply which drench into our soul. Yeah. What does he say? They, yeah. they, they, they go into our soul, right? They are the most intimate affections of our heart. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so when, when we come into contact with these doctrines and all this, what might seem ivory tower stuff, they're not designed to be ivory tower stuff. Mm, mm. They're designed to be things which break you at the knees, which bring you face to face with our Lord and Savior, and uh, which, <laughs> which refresh, mm, you know, mm, not mm. just the mind, but the heart and the soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is a banger quote. Yeah, no, it's 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 really good, and I, I really help. It was helpful for me. I think the other thing that that we notice here is we've also come into contact with people that are very, almost adverse against any scholarly or doctrine divides kind of thinking, mm. just like Jesus, and and that's it, and. I think our time at college also helped us to see the the kind of the beauty of studying scripture more in depth than you would be able to just every day. I remember one of our lectures being asked, like, isn't it too much? You wrote a whole dissertation on just like one verse. And he says, the deeper I go into scripture, the more I'm amazed at like the God who wrote this for us. Mm. And so I think Calvin, again, he, he holds these things in a balance. He's just Doctrine is not the problem. Mm. We need good doctrine that dwells in our hearts. And when those things come together, mm. I think we, we're just more aligned in what, what God has created us for and, and yeah, how to encourage and disciple one another in that. Mm. So I like that, Boo. Yeah. I th uh, yeah. You should, you should uh, uh, own that quote. Which which one? Doctrine is not the problem. Our hearts are the problem. Mm. Yeah, mm. and you're right. There there is this like this adversity to like ivory tower academics and so on and so on. and and rightfully so. I do think rightfully so. Mm. I do mm. think there's plenty of folk who who a, and you know <laughs> I say folk as as if it's not us, but this th this is challenging on that level as well. You know you. We, you read so much and you engage with so much and we, we've got a little bucket of ideas to throw at anyone. 
but um, you Calvin really challenges you to to ask how many of those ideas have seeped into your soul about Christ. How many of them have like refreshed mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and how many of them can you just like stand on a pedestal and know more than other people? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So thanks, Calvin, for for that first one. That was a, mm-hmm. a great one. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's. Uh, one of the second points that we we wanted to look at was there something else that stood out to you that you want to wanted to mention. So, uh, th- I mean, that one comes up chapter one, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I wasn't struck by something in every chapter, um, but uh, something really struck me in chapter two. Um, Calvin speaks. Calvin goes into chapter two, speaking about uh, self denial. So for Calvin, um, which was fascinating to me, the the his starting point for self denial is isn't the kind of like classic kind of text that we go to, like uh, you're sinful or, or something like that, and you know, kicking off from that point to denying yourself, or or, or even the, the call of Christ in that sense, you know, to to take up your cross, etc. Uh, though those form part of what his where he ends up, but for him the starting point is the fact that we don't belong to ourselves, mm. right? Mm. So he goes, "You're you're not your own, um, and you belong to God, and that is the that is a starting point. That's the foundation from which he moves on to 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 going, uh, yeah, to this whole kind of trajectory of self denial." Um, something, something which which struck me particularly about the way in which he speaks about self denial is the importance of because you're not your own, um, and because you belong to God, to look to God first and for all things. He kind of speaks as if as soon as you start looking to yourself for anything, sustenance, wisdom, all those kinds of things, you're you're, you're kind of doomed to fail. You're doomed mm, to destruction mm, in a sense. Mm, mm. Um, and and so for him, and this is this is this is w- what struck me. There's there's a it's so simple. There's a shift of sight. Mm. Okay, so he goes. Uh, your starting point has to be looking to God for all things, uh, and automatically that means you look away from yourself. Um, he doesn't explicitly say that, but he uh, doesn't explicitly say looking away from yourself. But he explicitly says, you know, look towards God and automatically you'll look to away from yourself. So chapter two, um, he, he writes, For he who has learned to look to God in everything he does is at the same time diverted from all vain thoughts. Mm-hmm. So a shift, of, uh, a, a shift of sight towards God uh, is the way that we look away from ourselves. From ourselves. You don't go, I've got to look away from myself, I've got to look away from myself. You go. I'm not my own. I got to look to God, and automatically, mm. you look mm. away from yourself. Mm. No, that's that's very good. I was also kind of encouraged by that in the way in which it really challenges us in the way in which we pursue virtue, because that's where he goes on to. Yeah, yeah. Self denial is a kind of uh, some of the philosophers they pursue these virtues of self denial, but for the sake of others to see them. Mm. Um, because their eyes are ultimately actually still focused on themselves. And yeah. what Calvin is calling us to is to look to God in our pursuit of these virtues, primarily that of self-denial. And as we do that, we are being conformed to the image of, of Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, I felt quite challenged by Calvin there as well. 
even though he's he's taking a, 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 a he's taking on the kind of philosophers and and so on speaking about you know the only reason they pursue these virtues is for themselves um it it really struck a chord with me in which i yeah you, know, you, you start questioning how often we don't do that even 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 like like noble christian virtue, even something like self-denial and humility how often do we even like we act humble because we want people to go like, oh wow, he's so humble, guy. you know, and and that's why what Calvin says like just feels so like like what's the right word? It's such a good insight mm-hmm. because in that moment where you've gone, I just want everyone to see how humble I am. The fundamental problem is you haven't yet looked away from yourself, mm-hmm. even though you're pursuing a Christian virtue, humility, which by definition is looking away from yourself. You haven't really, because you're pursuing humility for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So that other others can praise you. And that's the critique he makes on the philosophers of the day and my heart, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yes, man, it really makes me think of uh, uh, Ludwig, one of the lecturers at BTI. He did our marriage prep with me and Jess. And uh, he kind of coined the term the reward cycle, where he spoke about this concept of self-denial in in marriage and how when you do something for your spouse and they see what you did and they are thankful for it and they show gratitude, they then you get your reward here. Um, but then he said, what is really great, the real reward is when you do something for your spouse, they aren't grateful for it or they don't even see it. And then the next day you with the Spirit's power, are able to do that again. Mm. And that is when we are truly growing in kind of being conformed to Christ and this concept of self-denial is to say for the sake of God and being, I, I mean, as he mentions in Romans, a living sacrifice for him, sacrificing myself for the sake of others without getting the recognition from others mm. is is the real challenge of, of the Christian life. And, I mean, that's that's a difficulty. And I, I I think for me, it's just I do not enjoy it at all when I'm not appreciated for that which I do for other people. When I do something nice for someone else, Mm -hmm. I want to, uh, you don't have to reward me and say like, oh, thank you so much, but at least like acknowledge it or see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the real challenge is when it's not seen and it's not seen over like a period of time that it gets like, now I'm going to start to stand on my rights, you know? Now I want to demand kind of thankfulness from from you and again i think it's a call to christ mm. um to to see him as our model and to 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 trust in in god to to work this in us yeah um he writes a little bit later after that quote um show me if you can an individual who unless he has renounced himself in obedience to the lord's command is disposed to do good for its own sake. Mm. What I appreciate, probably one of the things I appreciated most about this book is Calvin's honesty about our like, fickleness. You know, he's, <sighs> he's so aware of how, how inward focused we are. Um, and you know, the, all of our hearts tend that way. All of our hearts, even the good things we do, are are good things we do for ourselves most often. Mm-hmm. And without without 
God changing us and and conforming us to be more like Christ, there's no yeah there's just no way to get there and i think that's maybe the next point that we can move on to is the way in which kind of god does that to us is actually uh what calvin says in chapter three is the call to bear our cross and there calvin refers to almost like any afflictions both uh, persecution but also any any other afflictions where he he speaks about that as christians we will still face these situations he writes adverse circumstances will keep their bitterness and we will feel their bite when afflicted with illness we will groan and toss for health when pursued by poverty we will feel the stings of sadness and anxiety we will bear the weight of sorrow at dishonor content and injustice when loved ones die we will naturally weep but this will always be our conclusion nevertheless the lord has willed it Therefore, let us follow his will. And he's explained in this chapter why he can say this. Mm. This is not just out of the blue. He says, because we know this is the Lord's will, to conform us Mm. to the image of God. Mm. He shows how as we bear these afflictions, as we bear the cross, it shows us our fickleness, our weaknesses constantly. It makes us humble. It helps us to be gracious towards others as they go through the same things. And it ultimately makes us depend on God as the one to sustain us. Mm. And then again, as we endure this over time, not just like happening once, as we constantly live this life of adversity as Christians, it produces endurance that finally gives us a hope of our future, knowing that God has carried me this far, despite my weakness, I know he will carry me home. I know he will sustain me till I'm finally with him Mm. one day. And so, (coughs) I don't know, it's a difficult truth to kind of hear when you're in it. Um, I can remember so clearly just both when first having kids and when getting married, the way in which, like, God sovereignly controls small situations that really Mm. challenge you. Mm. You're like, God, this is not what I kind of need right now. If If I were to be God here... Can't stuff just be a little bit easy for the next while? The kids haven't been sleeping. Me and Jess haven't been able to get time together. Life's quite tough right now. But then next thing you know, the boys get a tummy bug or something like that. And you're like, why God? But I think in those moments that I'm able or, or when God enables me to see how is God shaping me through this mm. instead of God, will you change the situation? Mm. It completely kind of, changes my attitude it helps me to kind of come alongside with what god is doing in my heart instead of like resisting kind of that which god wants us to produce in us yeah, um yeah, i think if we have our own way we would choose a life of comfort and luxury that will kind of never produce in us the qualities and kind of character that god desires for us ultimately to make us fit for for heaven mm, mm. yeah you know Bru, like i think about so many conversations that um i've had with myself and that i've had with 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 folk going through times of affliction or suffering or or battling sin group all of those together and a, a question i mean s- s- often the questions that come up are questions of 
um, you know, is God in control in situations like this? Does God even exist if situations like this happen and so on and so on? Um, but, but very often those questions are accompanied with a personal question of does this, does this happening to me call my salvation into question? Is this happening because um, I actually don't have the Spirit or God has actually forgotten about me or given up on me finally or I'm not saved in the first place? That's why life is so tough. Um, I think what's, what's so refreshing about this chapter of Calvin's, uh, of, of, of Calvin's book is that he, he explicitly recognizes the function like you've said, that, that suffering plays in our being made more like Christ. So uh, he, he's very early on in the chapter, he writes, um, how powerfully should it soften the bitterness of the cross to think that the more we are afflicted with adversary, the surer we are made of our fellowship with Christ. For, for Calvin, the presence of suffering doesn't call into question your fellowship with Christ. It actually solidifies the fact that you are in fellowship with Christ. It's actually evidence of fellowship with Christ. And like you say, most of the time, that's a bitter, bitter pull to swallow. It's, it's a bitter pull to swallow that, that the road to Christ-likeness, the road to, to where we are going... Is is a tough one. Yeah, it's road, one of the suffering. road to glory is through the cross. Mm. Such a difficult thing to accept, mm. but it is ultimately that which God has called us to. Eh? Yeah, and yeah. so there's there's a challenge in our uh, in in the way that we think think about suffering, mm. um, and there's a in the challenge there's a, there's a deep comfort. That the presence of suffering, of affliction, what of whatever kind in your life, isn't evidence of no relationship with God. It's actually more likely evidence of fellowship with mm. God and with Christ. The Father disciplines His Son; He mm. does not leave them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's uh, one thing to know that now and to discuss it. The hope is that we remind each other of that when mm. we actually go through through these difficult times, eh? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Maybe just one more one more point. Uh, in chapter 5, he, I, I really enjoyed what Calvin said here. In chapter 5, Calvin, I think, gives an example of healthy Christian liberty, mm-hmm. um, something that we can be reminded of today. Even in his time, he was speaking how, uh, he, he says there, uh, people bowed men's consciences more narrowly than the word of the Lord binds them. And he says that's a very dangerous thing to do. And so for, for, for one group, they would say, you know, it's only whatever is necessary for life. That's only what you can can enjoy. So only eat when you are hungry, but when you eat for pleasure, that's, mm-hmm. that's wrong or sinful. Um, but on the other hand, he also shows that even then there was uh, people who used the idea of the conscience as freeing them from any regulations on on what they are allowed to do. And so they were just filled with gluttony or luxury and and kind of do whatever they please under the banner of, well, my conscience is clear. And I think he balances it very well by giving us examples to say that 
No, God gave food. We see that he gave food both for necessity, mm. but also for the enjoyment of pleasure as they meet around a table and enjoy a meal together. Mm. As he talks about the flowers in the field that have not only bland colors, but God has clothed the fields with these beautiful colors. Um, and some colors are more beautiful than, than other colors. And so I think Calvin has, has helped us here to not be overly legalistic mm. and demand more of ourselves than God has called us in his word, mm, mm. but not to kind of fall prey to kind of our heart's desires to pursue these things too far, but to have a balance, you know, to hold mm. scripture up as our guide and to see what does scripture allow us to enjoy and then to not be kind of uh, people that only moan and groan and say like, oh, can only enjoy these things, but actually enjoy mm. the good gifts that God has uh, given us in as far as they kind of aid us in edifying the church and, yeah. and each other. Yeah. I thought that was extremely helpful. No, same. Um, that was a very, very refreshing part of of the book. Um, I, th I think what was so sweet about it was how much it 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 rests in God's God's grace and his kindness to us in these in these, I want to say almost mundane ways. Mm. Um, I do think that, <laughs> I think our hearts are so quickly legalistic. We very quickly do want to set up rules and lists and do's and don'ts. Um, and that infiltrates into things like that. And, and not to say that those things are, are entirely bad per se. I mean, he, he cautions against both extremes, yeah. you know, yeah. like overindulgence and like, Underindulgence, if you want to put it that way, um, but there's 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 something there's something beautiful and free about enjoying the things that God of God has given us, which is uh, which is which is I don't know what the right word is like a reflection of the freedom that we have in Christ, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. an outworking of the freedom mm -hmm. that we have in Christ, enjoying uh, all of those kinds of things, food, aesthetic things. Etc. 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 Yeah, because we're saved, we're secure, mm. and and we get to revel in that freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And enjoy God as that uh, the God who who gives in abundance in a certain sense. There's more than than what we just need. It's just beautiful the way He's created this universe. Even if you look at the stars and just marvel at mm. creation, you're just always amazed that. There's more than just what we need to, to that for that to flow out in mm. in how we view creation and life. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Any final remarks from you? Um, no. I think those are those are the things. All of the things that that really struck me. I maybe said this a little prematurely, but I'll I'll say it again. Um, I think what's most refreshing to me about Calvin is his his recognition of our weakness mm. and how how quickly we turn away um and his his under no illusion that like the the christian life is one of conformity to christ he's not like saying you know like we can't do it anyway so like just sit back you know i mean he starts chapter one by saying you know like this is the end goal, the goal of the Christian life, mm. you know, it's conformity to Christ. And so holiness is well on his radar, right? It's, it's, the, it's the entire direction of, of what he's writing here. But he, 
in a in a very refreshing and sometimes even an unheard of way he's able to hold that alongside our weakness and our deep need and dependence on Christ which um which hugs your heart in a way that uh it doesn't often get hugged Brew, and as we wrap up any final remarks from your side yeah i think something that just really struck me as we kind of looked at Calvin's pastoral message here is the way in which he was really in touch with all of human experience, that of death, um, that of health and sickness, poverty, riches. And I was just challenged with how much do I come in contact with, with that? Do I surround myself with people who are the same age as me, who still have their whole lives in front of them in a certain sense and just thinking of oh, everything they still want to achieve and think they are going to achieve? Or have I surrounded myself with, yes, people my age that, that bring some hope and desire for the future, but also men and women who have faithfully persevered while going through the affliction that kind of Calvin mentioned here. Um, I think specifically of men who have really challenged me in my Christian walk, especially as a younger guy, where they've been in ministry and everything hasn't gone according to plan. Um, their ministry hasn't been this huge success, but rather small congregation faithfully proclaiming the gospel and uh, not growing bitter, um, but actually entrusting that which God has given him to the Lord. And uh, yeah, it was just a challenge for me to put myself in the local church, surround yourself with men and women who are probably a bit older than you and that have gone through these things before and that can be examples to to us so that would be I think the final thing get stuck into the local church that's where that's where it's at man yeah all right great stuff i think that's a wrap for the first episode yeah thank, thank you, you so bro. much that was good that was like uh, i really really enjoyed it and i'm excited for next month's book let's mm. uh, let's start listening to it yeah. And then we'll see you all next month. Until next time. Cheerio. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Berean Book Club podcast. We'd love for you to head over to your podcasting app and give us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It will help us so much. This podcast was brought to you by BTI Stellenbosch. BTI Stellenbosch exists to bring theology to the church. If you want to find out more information, you can head over to btistellenbosch.com. Until next time.